Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you see that slowly but surely taking shape? It's your football team. We have got a lot to break down. Spring football has in full swing sprung. And some quarterback battles are going on. I mean, I think a couple of them have actually already been more or less decided. Looking at you, Austin, Texas, as Steve Sarkeesian has made that very clear. We talked about that a little bit on our previous show. There was never really a battle, but nonetheless, we'll talk about that in a second. I think Georgia has essentially decided their battle. And if you've kept up with this show for any length of time, you know how I feel about that one. I think Carson Beck has slammed the door shut. So we'll preview those battles just a little bit, but also check in on some other programs that I think are a little bit less decided. Aaron Murray, former Georgia quarterback and college football analyst for pretty much anywhere and everywhere, joined the show, broke down what happened at G-Day, talked about the state of the SEC. I asked him, would you take Georgia or the field today? His answer I thought was pretty insightful. So make sure you're locked in for that one as we appreciate Aaron Murray, as always, joining the show. Now, Arch Manning, in the vein of quarterback discussion, had his first spring game on the 40 Acres. And there's just a lot of quarterbacks on Twitter. And we got to talk about it. I've got my own feelings on this game. I've got my own feelings on how Arch played. But we got to break that one down just a little bit because I think a lot of it is being extrapolated upon far too much for a spring football game. And then also I want to talk about LSU as they have their spring game this coming Saturday. The Tigers, who made a push at the SEC title last season and ended up losing to the Georgia Bulldogs, I think they could be in for a very big year. But it all starts in the spring. It's all for taking a temperature and not making an absolute. You know how I feel. There's no spring Heismans. There's no spring national championship. But still, I think that deserves a little bit of attention. Before we get into that, though, the transfer portal is officially on and popping. Your favorite TV show is back on season two this time. There's been a couple of dominoes that are already fallen into place. I'm going to speak quickly here so nothing that we say becomes dated. Now, if we're clipping this, some of this stuff may have already shifted. So we appreciate you rolling with us. Now, one transfer portal move that I did not have on my bingo card was Bear Alexander jumping in. And I'm looking at my phone, trying to keep up with the spring games, trying to keep up with everything going on in Georgia. And then I see a notification from Hayes Fawcett, which make sure you're notified with him right now. Make sure you got notifications turned on for him right now on Twitter because he's just dropping knowledge, feels like every single day with what's going on in terms of the college football landscape. But anyway, Barry Alexander tells me he intends to jump into the transfer portal. And for a second, you're just like, what in the world? That was a guy who was playing for Georgia. That was a guy who had a sack in the national title game. He was a top 50 recruit for the dogs. Bear Alexander in the portal? And then you look a little bit closer at this, and while it, it's a little bit surprising, the reasoning behind it, 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 it's hard to blame anybody here. It's hard to blame Bear Alexander because it sounds like playing time for him was a factor. He's like, hey, I'm a dude. I can help you win football games. I want to see a lot of snaps. And Georgia's sitting there saying, well, we got a lot of guys that got to play, man. We're going to rotate guys through here. We're going to have a lot of these guys help us on the defensive line. Bear, you're a part of that, but listen, we got guys that got to play here, okay? All the big dogs got to eat. So with that being said, Bear Alexander, again, at last I checked, intends to enter the transfer portal, meaning he has not officially entered yet. But USC is a school that just continues to get thrown around whenever you ask people who might be in the Bear Alexander sweepstakes. This would be phenomenal for USC. Like, USC would be absolutely overjoyed to land a guy like Barrett Alexander. Because think about the weaknesses of USC. Look on the offensive side, you don't find a lot of them. You got Caleb Williams playing quarterback. You have a bunch of ballers at receiver, some that I think are chomping at the bit to prove themselves on a national stage. Look to the defensive side. You don't see the same kind of stocked covered protocol on that side of the ball. I mean, you look at the Utah game. Couldn't stop anybody. Look at the two-lane game. The defensive line play was abysmal. So, Barry Alexander, if you're looking to have somewhere to get snaps right away and play a lot of them, 
USC is absolutely a school that would be vying for Bear Alexander's services on paper, at least. So we'll keep an eye on that one. But in this situation, hard to blame either party. Georgia's got some guys that got to play. Bear Alexander wants more snaps, or so it sounds. So that's that. Now, Jaden Davis was a four-star cornerback when he came out of high school at a St. Thomas Aquinas, and he committed to Oklahoma. Was at Oklahoma for a period of time. He is going to the transfer portal. And when you look at Jaden Davis and his resume, it just seems like it was never really a fit at Oklahoma. Never really saw substantial playing time with the Sooners. And you would imagine that was the way it was shaping up for this coming season. But what we loved out of high school with him was his versatility. He can play corner for you. He can play nickel for you. And with him being from the Florida area, the schools to keep an eye on, I've heard, are the, the, the G5 schools, the UCF, the USF. Now, Florida could also be a player in this one as well. That'd make a lot of sense. Kid with a lot of ability out of high school, just never really found the right fit, it sounds like, at Oklahoma. Come back home, and maybe the fit makes all the difference. I don't know. But nonetheless, Jaden Davis, like I said, a four-star player out of high school. Someone is going to be happy to land his services. Really quickly, make sure you're subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel. We're going to talk ball here every single day. Okay, we're live twice a week as we are right now. We have phenomenal guests like Aaron Murray about to join the show, but make sure you're locked in here. You won't regret it. Also, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Great way for us to, to stay in contact, if you will, when we're not on the air, at J.D. Paquel. Now, one individual who has absolutely blown up over the course of the past 48 hours, offensive guard from Wyoming, Emmanuel Pregnon. Now, he's blowing up because he's big, powerful, six foot six, 320 pounds. He's got multiple years left of eligibility. So you're going to get him for more than just the 2023 season. That's exciting. You can develop him some more. He can play in your system for a number of years and really hold down the offensive guard spot or one of the offensive guard spots within your roster. Matt Zenitz has a phenomenal article out right now on on3.com where he breaks down his recruitment, talks to some personnel people in different Power 5 conferences and asks essentially, hey, what is it about this kid that's causing him to just crescendo right now on the recruiting landscape via the portal? And one thing that I thought was super interesting that, that Zenith cites in this article, Wyoming has a reputation of developing players. And so any school that lands Emmanuel Pregnant, and again, the offers here are just ridiculous. Like pick a school, and if he doesn't have it yet, he probably will have it. I mean, LSU, Miami, Tennessee, Auburn, Colorado. I think Vatek uh, offered him a few minutes before we even got on air. Wyoming's going to give whoever, not give, Emmanuel Pregnant, by nature of being at Wyoming, will show up at one of these schools, and he will not just be a raw piece of clay. Like sometimes you get these guys that you know have a lot of physical tools, and they're really big, but they're underdeveloped. And that's not Emmanuel Pregnant. The, the people in personnel departments across the country say that they love, like I said, the, the physical tools, but the fact that he's a weight room guy, he, he's going to show up and, and have had playing experience. He's not going to be a... a Deer in the headlights kind of operation when he gets to whatever school he goes to. So Emmanuel Pregnon continues to blow up, keep an eye on his recruitment, and keep an eye on any offensive lineman right now who enters the portal. Because here's what's happening right now. When these offensive linemen enter the transfer portal, especially in the second window, it's getting down to the wire here to set your roster. Like once the portal closes up shop, that's it. You're stuck with whatever you're stuck with on your roster. So if you don't have an answer on the offensive line, one of the most crucial position groups in all of football. I mean, it's a line of scrimmage game, it seems like, and it's becoming more and more of that for the elite programs. If you don't have answers on the offensive line, you hamstring yourself tremendously. So the value on these guys is skyrocketing. In addition to that, the number of these guys that are in the portal with what I just said, physical tools, experience playing, multiple years of eligibility, there's not a lot of those guys in the portal. And so Emmanuel Pregnon is a very talented player, and a lot of people want his services for the reason that I just mentioned. There's not a lot of offensive linemen with experience and eligibility in the portal right now. So someone's going to land him and be very, very excited about it. Now, one guy that is off the board right now and committed yesterday, Trill Carter, was formerly at Minnesota, visited Texas, visited Ohio State, and ended up choosing the Longhorns. He's six foot two, 310 pounds. This is a massive get in both a metaphorical and literal sense for the Texas Longhorns. Think about how this makes their defensive line look right now. Because you add a guy of his stature, like I just said, he's played some ball, he's got multiple years left for you, and you pair him with Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, 
Byron Murphy, Sadir Mitchell. Remember where Texas is headed next year, the SEC. I said college football is a line of scrimmage game. The SEC is emphatically where that gets most accentuated in a line of scrimmage conference. And so to be able to compete at the level you want to compete at if you're Texas, you better have the Joes to execute your scheme. you got to be able to have the defensive line sorted out to even have a chance to compete in the SEC. And so to add now Trill Carter to those cast of characters on the defensive line, Texas, I believe, is starting to look more and more like an SEC team where it counts in the trenches. And Trill Carter, obviously, by nature of me telling you how important it is that that they have somebody in 2024, he's going to have multiple years of eligibility when he gets to Austin. Size and depth on the defensive line wins you two kinds of games. One, a rock fight. Like, hey, we're going back and forth. Nobody's able to get points. We got to find a way to get this done. We got to find a way to get in the end zone or get a field goal. The defensive line has a big say in who wins those kinds of games. The ugly, like, 7-10 to kind of games. It also has a big say on who wins games late in November. Late in the season, when you're banged up, you got to have depth. You got to have size on the D line. Adding Trill Carter to the Longhorns is a very, very good step in the right direction for Texas. So the portal is open right now. Like I said, season two of your favorite TV show is currently airing. We'll keep an eye on this. This will not be the last time we talk about the latest from the transfer portal. All right, now. One individual who never hit the transfer portal during his college career is former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray. And Aaron Murray, it's funny even introing him into this interview because he's a college football analyst for just about every single outlet. I mean, the volume, he's got a daily podcast. Um, he, he worked with SiriusXM. He does color commentary for different national games. Like, he is phenomenal what he does, has great insight into the current going-ons at Georgia. And so post-G-Day, there was no better time than to chop it up with Aaron Murray. So we got his thoughts, got his feeling on the G-Day, got his feeling on the quarterback situation and the outlook for Georgia in 2023. So without further ado, here's Aaron Murray. And we are now joined by the man, college football analyst for ESPN, SiriusXM, The Volume, former Georgia quarterback, Aaron Murray. Aaron, Aaron what don't you do, brother? Oh, man, uh, it, it's, it's a busy slate. My wife was uh, is, is hoping that I maybe cut something out this fall so she just had to deal with with both our kids uh week in and week out now they're, they're she loves her her her, her uh, being a mother but it is uh it can be tough sometimes so uh yeah just got to take advantage of when i do have a little bit of a downtime to uh to hang out with the you know the two kids the two dogs but uh, come football season come august i mean it is uh sun up to sundown kind of kind of dates which is fun you know we, just like you we have to cover the game that we love the game we played and it doesn't feel like work. I love every bit of it. So very blessed, but also very, uh, very, very busy. Running the no huddle offense over there at the Murray household. Well, let's start here, Aaron. The G day. Obviously, your alma mater, Georgia Bulldogs. Carson Beck looked like the guy. I mean, is, is he unofficially, officially the the QB one in Athens in your mind? Yeah, I, I think he's been. I mean, you know, Carson was the guy three years ago. I mean, he was. He he was dubbed the starter. You know, when it, when JT went down and then something happened on Monday, Tuesday, I think the staff wasn't really sure, is he ready to go? So you got Stetson in your back pocket. You're about to play UAB. You're like, okay, let's just put Stetson in there. Give 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 Carson maybe one more week to, to get ready to go. And then Stetson throws five touchdowns. You're kind of like, eh, you know, we can't really take the ball out of his hands. But, you know, from the first time I saw Carson throw the ball, I was like, man, this guy's got it. And you just know when you're around certain quarterbacks – you know, there's just that it factor. And it, it's funny because I talk about like these NFL quarterbacks, like Anthony Richardson, get ready for the draft. And, you know, I get, I get crazy. because I'm like, watch the film, watch the film, watch the film. But then you do like, you get caught up in, in, in seeing these guys throw the football and the way they look and the way the balls release. And you kind of just say, man, if he can just kind of put it all together, he could be pretty darn special. And I think that's been the case for Carson. Can he put everything together from the fundamentals to, to the mental side, to the leadership to be a really, really good quarterback. And, and he's just continued to grind in all those areas, talking with people in the building. And, man, he looked good. He looked good. I think it's his team. I think it's his job. The other quarterbacks look great. You know, Brock looked tremendous. Gunner looked great. I mean, Georgia would be most likely undefeated with any three of them just because of their roster. But I think Carson puts you at a different level, especially with the receivers and tight ends that have been amassed this offseason. So, 
man, I can't wait. I really can't. I, I put a little tweet out there. I'm not joking either. You know, if Stetson Bennett can make it to, to New York, I think Carson's going to have far superior stats. He's going to be on the best team in the country, probably going to win the SEC championship, going to be in the playoffs. If he throws 35-plus touchdowns and he's on that team, most likely going to be in New York for that ceremony. And I kind of expect Bobo to let him fling it a little bit this year. Well, that was my next question. Does it change the way that we've watched Georgia previously with a guy like Carson Beck? Like, obviously, Stetson Bennett is Stetson Bennett, and Carson Beck's Carson Beck. Do you think they tailor it differently to a guy like Beck and his skill set? Yeah, when you saw this year, I mean, who they brought in through the portal. You know, you bring in a couple top receivers. You know, you know, I don't know what's going on with Rara. Didn't, didn't play really in the spring game at all, but love it. He's explosive. You got McConkie. You got Arian. You know, knock on wood, he can stay healthy. Obviously, you got the best player in America in Brock Bowers. But, yeah, I, I expect this offense to really start to push this ball vertically down, vertically down the field. You're still going to see – I mean, you saw the spring game. It's the same thing they ran last year, essentially like the core – Different formations, different personnel groups, motion shifts, really put the defense at a bind and make those guys communicate on that side of the football. And then a lot of play action pass and then utilize Carson's ability to push the ball vertical with that talent and that speed that, that that's around him. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to throw the ball more. And and listen, there there is there's going to be a chip on Bobo's shoulder. Like I know Bobo. I was my OC for five years. He's a competitive son of a gun. He wants to be the best. He is one of the best. And there's a lot of people doubting, you know, should he have gone the job, big shoes to fill with Monk and leaving. And I think he's just eating that up. And he knows that he he has a talent that he hasn't had in a long time to work with. And he wants to go out there and prove everyone why he's a successful coordinator, why he got this job. And that's why I think there's going to be no limits for this offense. I think it's going to be let's go score 50 a game. And, and I, like I said, I think they got the talent to do it. They definitely have the schedule to do it. There's not a lot of teams on that schedule that really scare me. They're going to be better than most. And it's just, you know, can knock on wood, can they stay healthy? And if they can, I think they're going to be a special offense. And if I'm a Georgia fan, on one hand, I'm like, awesome. Looks like we got our guy with Carson Beck. On the other hand, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, dang, does that mean – you know, we lose a guy like Brock Vandergriff. I mean, in the day and age of the portal, it's so hard to keep two elite-level quarterbacks on your roster. In your mind, what happens to a guy like Brock Vandergriff now with the portal being open and things of that nature, you know, just kind of being a big question mark as a whole? I see, you know, Brock loves being in Georgia. He loves being at UJ. I mean, he's a kid from Athens, went to Prince Academy. So I think it's always been a dream for him to be on this roster. But you want to play, too. Like, there's there's that, oh, good feeling of, hey, I'm wearing the red and black. I've dreamed since I was a little kid to, to, to wear this uniform. But there's also, like I said, that competitor inside that you want to play football. You, you know you only get a small window and a small opportunity to do it. So I don't know what Kirby's telling them behind closed doors when it comes to, hey, this competition's still on. It's still not. I think you kind of have to know as a player, you got to kind of check yourself and surround yourself with good people and kind of step back and say, okay, Carson got the first team reps. He balled out. We looked great. Yeah, I played well too, but realistically, you know, am I going to be a starter? Probably not. Like I said, I think if Brock was a starter, I feel really good the team would be just as successful. So, yeah, he has to make the decision. Do I play the game of, of if Carson balls out this year, maybe Carson leaves for the NFL draft after the season, which I think he could do. Obviously, he's old enough to do it. Um, and then I could be the guy next year. Do I think I could beat Gunner out if Gunner stays next year? So there's a lot of scenarios that have to go through his head, but then he wants to play. He's good enough to play. He's good enough to play at 75% of the other schools out there that need a quarterback. He can jump in the portal tomorrow, show up with his work ethic, and he's a tremendous worker, compete to be a starting quarterback come come, come fall. I mean, shoot, you can go to Auburn, for goodness sakes, with his skill set and the type of offense they want to run, and he's a better passer and can compete for a starting job there. Obviously, he can't compete. He can't actually transfer in the SEC because of the rules. But like a situation like that is somewhere he could go to and, and, and go out there and compete. So it's up to him, man. I hope he stays. But in today's world, you're going to lose great ones. they got plenty of great guys on that roster. And the thing with Kirby, too, because of the way he's built this program, you lose one or two at certain positions, he can go pluck someone in the portal this year. And as soon as the season's over, he can also go pluck the top guy at the quarterback spot if he needs another quarterback come next offseason. And, Aaron, you said it. This quarterback room right now, like any three of these guys – 
Georgia's probably not having like a drastically different regular season, at least. There'll obviously be a couple of spots where in the SEC title game, likely it's going to obviously, you're going to need your quarterback to make a couple plays for you. When you look at the season for Georgia, we asked David Pollock the same question. Are you taking Georgia or the field when it comes to the national title? I'm taking Georgia. I, I just think like some of the elite teams have too many questions that, that I'm not sure I'm, I feel comfortable yet with. You know, Alabama, I, I, there's a lot of question marks from the quarterback to, you know, can the receivers, you know, take that step up from last year? I mean, they, they were, you know, they, they, they didn't have that explosiveness like they've had in years past. I mean, they were young and they're excited about some of those freshmen. So are they ready to step up? You got to obviously replace Gibbs. I know they're excited about some of the young backs too, but, you know, questions at the quarterback, you lose Bryce. Uh, questions on some spots on defense. And, like, I know they've recruited well. We all know there's plenty of four- and five-star guys on their roster, but I, 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 there's a difference between being a four- and five-star in high school and being, a you know, an All-American at the college level. So I trust Nick can get those guys ready. To me, this is more of a rebuilding year for Alabama than, than not. I think LSU is, is the team in the West, but I still think Georgia is a deeper, more talented roster than LSU is. So, like, I don't feel great with anyone really in the SEC contending with them. Outside the SEC, Ohio State has some questions. You know, got to see what their quarterbacks look like. I do like Michigan, but Michigan plays a similar style of football to Georgia, and Georgia's just better at it. So I think Michigan is is honestly my favorite to win the conference. I think, you know, them at home versus Ohio State, kind of their schedule lays out perfectly for them. I think they'll take care of business in the Big Ten. Um, so, no, I really don't see another team that is as balanced as Georgia is on both sides of the football. I mean, you're talking about – you know, the, the, the depth they return on defense, they're going to be giving up less than 15 points per game, probably going to be a top five defense in America. And, and I laid out kind of what they have on offense. I think they're going to be one of the top offenses in the country as well. And you may have an offense that's better or a team that's better defensively, but no one is that balanced on both sides. I think that balance is what gives Kirby and should give dog fans the confidence they go for a three-peat. I mean, they've built it to where it almost runs itself right now. But when you look at this team, if you had to pick one potential weakness for them, is there something within this Georgia team that you think could be an area of concern? You know, I, I want to see this defensive line be able to get after the quarterback. You know, I, I, I love the secondary. You know, what you have back from, you know, Tyke and, and Malachi and, and, and Javon and, you know, some of the, the, the big-time recruits are going to be really good and they're going to be really, really deep in the secondary. I think they're going to be really good. You, you return your, your linebackers. You know, some of those freshman linebackers like C.J. Allen really flashed in the, in the spring game. They got a lot of speed. So, like, that second and third level I feel good with. It's that front four getting pressure on the quarterback. You know, you didn't really see a lot of it in the spring game. It's a spring game, so you don't want to take out, you know, go too crazy over it. But that's the area to me replacing a guy like Jalen, who's I think the best player in the NFL draft. Can you find ways to stop the run? Can you get after the quarterback? I think they'll be fine there, but that to me is the weakest part of, of the defense. Offensively, you know, they've been shuffling off the offensive line around a little bit. I think the offensive line is going to be fine. Stacey Searle is the second year there in Athens. He's a great offensive line coach. So, yeah, that's really it. So it's defensive line and just overall, you know, don't be complacent. You know, don't, don't, don't buy into the hype of, hey, you are the best team in the country. You're going for the three-peat. Like, you know, can Kirby work his magic somehow and tell this team that they're going to be eight and five? And, uh, and piss them off, which if he does that for a second trade off season, I'd be pretty impressed. That would be the greatest hoax, the greatest coaching job, kind of go hand in hand there, we've seen in this entire sport. Now, Aaron, when it comes to the SEC, you and I both agree, Georgia's obviously the undisputed heavyweight champ. Is there a team that could potentially pose the biggest threat to Georgia, though, when it comes to how they match up? I'm interested with Tennessee in, and the games in Neyland. I think Joe Milton's a stud. I think Joe is is a freak athlete. I had a chance to cover him a couple of times last year. And, you know, talking with him and the staff and talking with Hendon, just his maturity, you know, being Hendon's roommate, I and mean, we've all heard the story, but he's freakish athlete. I mean, we just from running to throwing to size, he he may be the the the, the prettiest build of build a quarterback prospect out there in college football right now. And and the fact that he's all accounts, he's really taken a step up when it comes to his timing, his rhythm, being able to, to layer the football instead of just trying to put a hole in someone's chest. If he can take that step, I mean, that's going to be a good team. You know, I love Bangs on the defense side of the football. I think they're going to be obviously aggressive as always. Um, they, they're, they're, they're building depth, which they haven't had in a couple of years. So, yeah, you, you get those weapons, which they didn't have in the spring game. So for those who watch the spring game, you know, they, they were not healthy at receiver or running back. You get those receivers and running backs with a quarterback that is more talented than Hendon. 
and get him playing like Hendon, that's a scary team. Like I said, at home versus Georgia. So that, that's an interesting game to me. But, you know, that's really Georgia's only game they got to really get up for. I think LSU in the West is a is a really good team. You know, I like Jaden. I like their offense. You bring back the tackles. You got the running backs, the receivers. You got Mason at tight end. Um, you got Mason at defensive tackle back, who, let's not forget, was injured in that first game versus Florida State. You know, one of their best players on that side of the football, along with the best linebacker maybe in the SEC. So they don't have a lot of questions on their roster, which which gives me the confidence that they can win the West and should win the West. But I just don't know if they have the depth yet that Georgia has two, three deep that are really, really talented that when they face off, you know, say an SEC championship game, they're going to be strong enough to kind of compete with the Bulldogs. But that would be my two um, that I kind of have marked that have the guys right now that Georgia will face. You know, obviously Alabama has it, but like I said, I don't, I don't anticipate Alabama winning the West, so Georgia won't have to face it this year. Now, Aaron, last question for you before we get you out of here. We appreciate all your time. It's spring game season. Like, we're all just fired up to have football back on the television screen. And with that, it's hard to necessarily have proper gauging for when we're watching these spring games. Arch Manning is a great example. Goes 5 for 13. Everyone's saying he shouldn't even be at Texas. How should fans be watching these spring games in your mind? I've, I've, always, I've been saying it for weeks because, you know, it's been a discussion now of, like, how should the games be formatted? Should you play another team? Do spring games even matter? And, you know, I'm in the sense of it's just, to me, spring games are a celebration. It's a great opportunity for fans to get back on campus, to hang out with buddies, go to your favorite restaurant, you know, walk around campus, get in the stadium, kind of get a taste of what some of the young players are looking like. But, like, don't take a lot out. You know, as a coaching staff and as a player, you just want to get in, get out, stay healthy, and have some fun, and then go out and celebrate the fact that spring ball is over with. So, like, yes, we're going to be critical, especially with a guy like Arch who has these, these high expectations. But – Listen, he should be in high school right now. So if anything, you should be grateful for the fact that that with the college rules, with the fact that so many kids are mid, mid-year rolling, that he's been able to get in, get 15 practices, get some reps, start building the chemistry, start learning the offense, and put himself in a situation that if, if yours has a great year and goes to the NFL, he's a year and a half now, already a spring, fall camp in, to, to maybe compete for the job or be given the job come next spring. So it's all positive. Listen, I was a mid-year guy. Your head's spinning all over the place. There's nerves at the wazoo. And I, I listen, I was a high, high recruited kid. I'm not a Manning. So those those pressures are even higher, especially at a place like Texas. So let's just take a break and and, and continue to, to trust Sark that he's going to work him, get him ready to go for when his time is ready. But, you know, we kind of knew this was going to be Ewers' job. Ewers had flashes last year, didn't finish the season off great, but super, super talented. They got some talent around him. Um, it was going to be an uphill battle for Manny to win that thing out anyways. Absolutely. Well, I mean, mid-year, so you kept on, uh, you held on rather to your ID is what I'm understanding. ID stayed in the stayed in the wallet. Okay. Hold on to the ID. Just put, you know, I, this is 2023. You know, why aren't the IDs just like you're, you're you know, on your phone for goodness sakes. You don't have to worry about carrying it around. Like he needs to, it, someone needs to, doing an IL deal with Arch in which, you know, you can put your, your student ID in your phone, in your Apple wallet. Then you have to lose it. I mean, that's a great NIL deal. We just came up with another one for him. Chess, not checkers. Well, Aaron, we appreciate you making time, man. Appreciate you talking some ball with us and looking forward to doing it again real soon. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. Aaron Murray joining the show to drop some knowledge on us. We appreciate him greatly. Probably the best, if not one of the best, quarterbacks in Georgia history. I don't really think that's too much of a stretch. Now, with that being said, he talked about a quarterback battle going on at Georgia or the quarterback battle that is pretty close to being finished in both Aaron and my humble opinion at Georgia. But let's check in across the country right now. We're going to talk about Georgia here in just a second. But let's start with Ohio State in terms of these quarterback battles. Devin Brown and Kyle McCord going toe-to-toe for the QB1 job in Columbus, and it is essentially vying to take over a Ferrari of an offense because you got Marvin Harrison Jr. on the outside. you got Trayvon Henderson behind you and Mayan Williams. you got Emeka Ibuka. Like, whoever takes over the Ohio State quarterback spot is going to be in really good shape and likely help themselves to have a chance to get drafted pretty highly, as it tends to be the case for Ohio State quarterbacks. Now, Kyle McCord was the only individual from this quarterback battle to play in the spring game. Devin Brown, like the week of, we find out he has to get surgery on a finger on his throwing hand, so he's not going to play in the spring game, but he's going to be ready for fall camp. So, Kyle McCord, stage is set, right? 
chance to just go out and knock it out of the park. And he kind of led for the duration of spring practice. It was kind of his job to lose is what the buzz was around Columbus. And this was his chance to, in my opinion, slam the door shut. Like, he goes out there, he goes 25 for 20 and three touchdowns. We're all saying, yep, this is probably Kyle McCord's job, just a matter of time. And that wasn't the case. Went out there, went 18 for 34, 184 yards and one touchdown. So if you're an Ohio State fan, you're saying, oh, gosh, we're this close to having our guy for the rest of summer and into the fall like you would have had direction as an Ohio State fan you would have had direction I'll take it a step further if you're a player on that team you know who your quarterback one is probably going to be now the door is cracked open and Devin Brown being as talented as he is has a chance to really make a statement you you hate that if you're Kyle McCord you hate that that was your chance to win the job in my humble opinion and officially unofficially end the battle and now you got to wear it in the fall. Now, to be clear, Ryan Day, I wholeheartedly believe, would have let this go into the fall either way, but we could have had a pretty good feel for it should Kyle McCord have made a statement in that kind of spring game. Really quickly, make sure you're subscribed. We appreciate all the tuned in right now. Make sure you're liking the video. And shout out to everybody on podcast too. Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to The Hard Count. We appreciate y'all rocking with us. Okay, now, Georgia. The dogs, we talked about it with Aaron Murray just a few moments ago. This kind of has the inverse feel of how the Ohio State quarterback battle could have gone in that spring game. Came into it. Carson Beck has been the leader all camp, but Brock Vandergrift's making some moves in these last couple practices. And don't forget Gunnar Stockton. He's going to factor in somehow. And all that happens was Carson Beck goes out there and just chucks every single box. He went full-on Coach Yost. Remember the Titans? Left, no doubt. They'll start with the field test. Like, just how, how does it feel when your quarterback's in the game? What were you anticipating when you saw Carson Beck taking snaps for Georgia? I'll tell you this. When he was running the offense, it felt a whole lot like he was in complete control of the vehicle. He knew where to go with the football. You just felt like something good was going to happen. He was going to push the ball downfield. He put the ball in the right spot. It felt like every single time. The field test for the Georgia offense, when he was at quarterback, you felt direction. You felt purpose. The eye test, like I just said a second ago, he was surgical every single time. He was clicking through the reads, knew exactly where to go. It was never a matter of him ever looking like he was flustered or out of control or in over his head. Every single time, boom, boom, boom. One, two, three, we're going to the right spot with the ball. That was Carson Beck for you all day long. And then, you know, let's, let's talk about this. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. Let's check the stats had the best statistical day of all the quarterbacks. Went 15 for 22, 231 yards, one touchdown. Meanwhile, Brock Vandergriff still had a good day. I mean, he ran the ball pretty effectively. 13 for 25, 175 yards, two touchdowns. But again, I'm talking about this number with Carson Beck. He also looked the best against the one defense. I think he went something like 13 for 18 against the best defense in the country. So similar to what I think could have happened at Ohio State with Kyle McCord being unofficially, officially the starting quarterback, I think that's what happened at Georgia. Aaron Murray said it. I'm telling you it once again, Carson Beck, barring something wildly unforeseen, will be the starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs when they get rolling. Now, a lot of people are going to watch what Brock Vandergrift does at the time of us being live right now. The latest intel we have is that he's going to pray about it. I'm going to kind of talk to the family about it. And I mean, just, just to be clear, Kirby Smart hasn't publicly named Carson Beck the starter. Okay, this is still something where Brock Vandergrift can come back in the fall and really try and challenge. But again, that portal window is only open for so long. Brock Vandergrift challenge and stick around and hope he gets a shot at Georgia or he could go somewhere and play today I'm just saying we'll keep an eye on that if Carson Beck does end up being named quarterback one now let's talk about another school here had their spring game this past I guess it was Thursday that's the Florida Gators going into it you kind of felt like it was Graham Mertz's job to lose that was the field because you brought him in for a reason right transferred from Wisconsin tons of talent really highly recruited just never really got into a rhythm at Wisconsin kind of turnover prone but everyone at Florida is thinking hey we brought him here for a reason he's probably going to be the guy right well the good news is the defense looked pretty good the bad news is quarterbacks did not separate by any stretch of the imagination final score was like 10 to 7 which if you're a fan of offensive football that ain't great Jack Miller, I thought, looked really impressive from what I saw. I mean, the fact that he is able to do so much with his legs kind of looked like 
the potential wild card for him in this battle. I mean, that might end up being a little bit more important than we might have perceived it to be at the beginning of this thing. I think Jack Miller is very seriously a part of this quarterback battle. Because originally that storyline was out there that Billy Napier saying, hey, open competition between Jack Miller and Graham Mertz. As a Florida fan, you're saying, man, really? Graham Mertz, we brought you here from Wisconsin. You can't beat out Jack Miller, a guy who looked beyond lackluster in the game against Oregon State in their bowl game. And then you have a spring game on him from a season ago. He didn't look great there. You're saying, man, really? Well, hey, I think it's time to put some respect on Jack Miller's name. Jack Miller, I think, made a very good case for himself that he has, I think, one, elevated himself, and two, if he does end up being your starting quarterback, he will have won it based on merit. It won't have just been a thing of, well, Graham Mertz kind of still needed some time to process the offense. Like, hey, if that's the way it goes, it's the way it goes. But I think Jack Miller looked really impressive in that spring football game. Now, statistically, he was a touch more efficient than Graham Mertz was, but Graham Mertz was 18 for 29, 244 yards and a touchdown. Jack Miller, 10 for 19, a buck 44 and one touchdown. So again, neither one of them lighting it up. A lot of people around Gainesville feel like there is a more than likely chance that Florida dips their toe back into the transfer portal pool if the right guy were to jump into the portal for them. So we'll see what happens there. You don't love what you saw in that spring game. I would just say this, let it marinate a little bit. Let it bake a little bit. I would also say that whenever it comes to the fall, whichever one of these guys ends up being your starting quarterback, I think they'll call the offense and tailor the offense a little bit more so to their skill set. Whereas right now, I think they're just calling it even. So keep an eye on that. Now, here's the one that is, is kind of making me cringe just a little bit. We said this since they opened spring camp, but the Texas Longhorns, they had quarterback competition internally. And I mean, they were pushing each other. They were getting better. There was never a quarterback battle in my mind. I've said this a couple times. I'll keep it brief. Reporter, ask Steve Sarkeesian, is quarterback position open? Steve Sarkeesian on the first day of spring football, wanting to promote competition within his team, says, yes, all positions are open, which is just good coach speak, to be honest with you. What is he supposed to say in that scenario? Obviously, Quinn Ewers comes out in the spring game, looks like an improved version of himself. I believe he went 16 for 23, a buck 95. Really could have had two touchdowns, but one of the deep passes was to set up a, a red zone rushing touchdown for Cedric Baxter. Anyway, Quinn Ewers was then named the starter after the spring football game. The, the reason why we're including this into the segment is not because of the starting quarterback battle. I don't think that was ever a battle. What I think we got to talk about here is that spot for QB2. Because everyone was kind of assuming, myself included, hey, Arch Manning is going to develop, going to look it's halfway decent in the spring football game and walks out there. Looks like a freshman, okay, to be clear. Looks like a freshman and was trying to get his feet under him. And, and we'll talk more about that in a second here. Malik Murphy, I think, made a statement. Nine for 13, 165 yards, one touchdown. Like, he was dealing. Really could have had more yards. He had one deep pass on a post route that his receiver dropped that was right in the bread basket. Like, Malik Murphy, I think, had kind of been forgotten about in that Texas quarterback room. And very casually just walks in the spring game, has a day, and reminds everybody, hey, I was pretty highly recruited at one point in time too. Has struggled to, to really be healthy, hadn't really gotten a full spring at Texas. And to do what he did to put that kind of resume together during the spring game, I think that battle for the QB2 spot is really something to watch. Now you have a lot of people around college football media saying, well, hey, does Malik Murphy maybe take this spring game and parlay it into a QB1 spot somewhere else? Again, a lot of people want quarterbacks these days. So keep an eye on that. But if Malik Murphy is to stay, I think he's got a very strong case to be that QB2. Now, I'll say this, though. Arch Manning is not going to stay stagnant by any stretch of the imagination. He is going to be somebody that I think only gets better. Listen, a lot of people, we'll, we'll talk about this in a second here in our next segment. A lot of people are, are making just definitive opinions on Arch Manning based on 15 practices and what you got to see in one spring game. If you think that's as good as Arch Manning is going to be, 5 for 13 and 30 yards, you got another thing coming. Okay, Malik Murphy's been in the system longer, been a college football player longer. Arch Manning just got to campus, lost his ID twice. Texas fans, you cringe at hearing me say that because the, the ID thing is just such low-hanging fruit. But listen, low-hanging fruit low-hanging fruit for a reason. The reality is for Texas they're going to probably have some options at, at that QB2 spot. And in my humble opinion, 
as a football team, you're only as good as your backup quarterback because football is so physical. It is so difficult to go wire to wire with the same starting quarterback. Now, we hope that's the case for Texas. We hope Quinn Ewers is able to go the distance this season. But I think you feel pretty good if you're Texas playing either Malik Murphy or Arch Manning at QB2. So we'll keep an eye on that. But Ohio State, Georgia, Florida, and Texas all having quarterback battles of their own. Now, don't, make, don't get it twisted. Texas is, is definitely not for the QB1 spot, but that QB2 spot, I think, is fascinating to say the least. Now, as I was just talking about, Arch Manning didn't have his best spring game. Okay, went 5 for 13, 30 yards, and I think we need to unpack that just a little bit. Really quickly, though, everyone watching live, man, we appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all locking in with us. Make sure you like the video. It just helps us boost more of what you want to see. Also, make sure you're subscribed. We talk ball here every single day. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, at J.D. Now, as I was saying, Arch Manning had his first outing on the 40 acres, went 5 for 13, 30 yards. Not a phenomenal stat line. You see that and you go, ah, I'd like to see a little bit better from the guy. I think there's more that needs to be talked about within that stat line because we have a lot of people, Twitter quarterbacks, as I call them, Twitter QBs, that took to the timeline and just are roasting Arch Manning and saying this is who you thought was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. This guy wouldn't play a down at insert X, Y, and Z school here. And to be honest with you, Twitter quarterbacks are going to Twitter quarterback. So, I mean, you can't really help someone who doesn't want to be helped. But I think we need to just unpack this with just a little bit more depth to it. We'll start with this. The 5 for 13 thing. Went back and watched it. He had two incompletions that were drops, and he had two other plays where throwing it away was the right play. So you say, yeah, you went five for 13, but nine out of those 13 tries, you made the right decision, which is in Arch Manning's position, I think all you're after at this point in a spring game. Here's the real conversation. The last name Manning, just as a whole, elevated everybody's expectations so high. It would have been very difficult for Archman to put together a spring game that would have satisfied the expectations of the college football public, just the way that it is. Now, what I would also say is with Arch Manning, the tricky part is his high school career largely was under reps, right? Didn't go to the camp circuit, didn't do the all-star circuit. Film wasn't super accessible for him. So a lot of us have one data point for Arch Manning, and that's the spring football game. And so some people, that's caused them to look at the chart and say, we got one bad data point, the chart looks bad, that's who Arch Manning is. Written him off, done. Thanks so much. Okay, then you have the more reasonable side of us that are saying, we have one data point on this chart, so the chart is skewed. So, using reason, we can expect to get more data and for that chart to eventually round itself out a little bit more and look like a more coherent body of work for what Arch Manning is as a quarterback. We're not making evaluations. We're not making definitive statements off of one practice because make sure we remember that. It was a big-time spot, but it was practice 15 for Texas in that spring football game. He's been on, been on campus for a very short period of time. So I think we need to make sure we understand this is one data point. Don't let the ugliness of the chart cause you to lose your reason here. All right? Now, here's one more thing we got to talk about. The people that were already hating on Arch Manning, the people that were quick to be on the timeline, the Twitter quarterbacks, listen, they were going to be saying something negative about him anyway. I got more thoughts on that. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're locked in right here. We talk ball every single day. I'm not going to waste too much more time. We love you all for locking in with us. All right? Now, here's my thing. Do you trust at JimBob42, the Twitter quarterback, or do you trust Nick Saban and Kirby Smart? Because like I said, JimBob42 is likely already upset because Arch Manning didn't pick his school, and he's not going to whatever his alma mater was, and they've just decided, you know what? I'm out on Arch Manning. I'm going to find a way to sway the public's opinion with my Twitter fingers, and I'm going to make sure my opinion is the loudest, and I will get it out there. That's Jim Bob 42. Then you have Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, who put food on the table by putting together good football teams, by recruiting good football teams. Nick Saban, resume speaks for itself, greatest of all time. Kirby Smart, back-to-back -back national champion from the Nick Saban coaching tree. 
do we need to unpack this too much more? Both those individuals, I trust, have put a little bit more work in than whoever your buddy is on Twitter trying to put down Arch Manning. And again, he was already out to get him to begin with. So when we talk about Arch Manning, you can be underwhelmed by the spring football game, but still believe that Arch Manning is going to be a good quarterback. His uncle also set the rookie record for interceptions in the NFL. And his name is Peyton, and it turned out okay for him. So what I'm trying to tell you is, yes, it's, it's not an impressive showing. Yes, it's a frustrating thing to see a guy with so much hype and so much pressure on him not be able to put a better performance forward. But to look at this chart of one negative data point and just completely write him off and say, that's that, that's who Arch Manning is, like, let's use a little bit more reason here. Let's understand there's more to this Arch Manning story than just one subpar spring game. Okay? A lot of people that know a lot about football make a lot more money than both you and I to know about football, i.e. head coaches, are in on Arch Manning. So let's reserve some judgment here. I'm telling you, man, Arch Manning, just as a recruit, I think is facing as much, if not more than any other recruit in the modern era. Like, you got social media now you got to deal with. You got NIL you got to deal with. Your last name's Manning. Him and LeBron James Jr., Brawny, like, I don't know how you're supposed to meet the expectations set before you. I don't know. I'm excited to watch that one, though. It'll be a whole lot of fun to keep an eye on. Now, spring game season is in full swing. We had a stacked slate this past weekend. We got another stacked slate this upcoming weekend. We're going to preview a lot of these spring football games on our upcoming show on Thursday. That's right, folks. Y'all that are tuned in right now, hit the bell. Make sure you come right back here same time on Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central. Going to preview a ton of spring football games. But I want to just give us a little appetizer to chew on right now as we get ready for this big weekend ahead of us. Let's talk about the LSU Tigers. Because LSU challenged Georgia in the SEC title game, found a way in year one to get to Atlanta, which I think in itself is impressive when their preseason win total was pegged right around seven wins. And they were won six games the year before. Like LSU, I think, is a fascinating situation right now. I'm very interested to see what their spring game looks like. The first word of caution I would give is Garrett Nussmeyer is going to be your backup quarterback. So do not be surprised when he has a better game in this spring game than your starting quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Because think about what Garrett Nussmeyer is. You and I both you know, kind of have a guilty pleasure in the fact that we just love to see them throw the football vertically, anybody and everybody, especially LSU, and we haven't seen that as much from them with Jaden Daniels playing quarterback. Garrett Nussmeyer is going to uncork it a little bit. Wouldn't be surprised if he connects on a few of those and has a couple of highlight plays. Like Garrett Nussmeyer may have a better highlight day than Jaden Daniels. Well, what does Jaden Daniels do best? What's his differentiating factor from Garrett Nussmeyer? His legs. Ran for 11 touchdowns last year. Does a lot in the zone read game. Like, he is a dynamic athlete as well as a really good quarterback. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say he's a really good athlete playing quarterback. He's a really good athlete. He's also a really good quarterback. They coexist well. But for him, a lot of his game, in my opinion, is him running the football and setting himself up to throw. In the spring football game, quarterbacks are non-contact meaning nobody is tackling Jaden Daniels to the ground. In fact, much easier, they're just two-hand touching. Y'all, just it's, it's common sense. It's easier to two-hand touch the quarterback than tackle him to the ground, especially in Jaden Daniels' case. I'm just curious to see how comfortable Jaden Daniels looks. I want to see how comfortable he looks cutting it loose, dropping back, passing, and getting through his progressions and working with some of these other receivers that haven't gotten as much run with Keishon Booty last year and Jure Jenkins being there. Now you got a little bit of, of Malik Neighbor stepping up a little bit more. Like I'm just curious to see how comfortable he looks. But I fully expect, you look at the stat sheet, Garrett Nussmeyer, common sense would tell you, should have a better day because he's more of a pocket passer. He's going to push the ball vertically more. He's playing the volume game, in my opinion. Garrett Nussmeyer, Brian Kelly also told us when he came on this show, is going to get some run with the ones. That is going to happen. Okay, so do not take the bait. Do not fall for the trap. Garrett Nussmeyer is going to look good in this spring game. Jane Daniels emphatically is your starting quarterback. Now, here's another storyline we got to look for. A lot of the national college football circles may not talk about this as much, but LSU very quietly 
went and got four defensive backs from the transfer portal. Now, Deuce Chestnut from Syracuse is out for the spring. Denver Harris doesn't sound like was at practice the other day, or I should say this, wasn't spotted at practice by our own uh, Bengal Tiger on three when they covered the the spring practice. But what I want to say is you got some guys that are getting their feet wet for the first time in the spring football game. I believe, or you hope it's Denver Harris, the transfer from A&M. J.K. Johnson, they said he looks really good, the transfer from Ohio State. Zy Alexander from Southeastern Louisiana, the FCS All-American. And also, to add on to that, not a transfer, but a guy who's making noise in his first few minutes on campus, Javion Toviano out of Texas, getting some work at secondary. He's listed as a corner on the roster. I'm just curious to see how they look in this spring game, and even more specifically, I want to see who looks the most confident. Because y'all that watch this game know it takes some extra juice to play corner. Like literally your job is running backwards with the best athletes on the field at receiver, probably getting beat once or twice and being able to, to respond and bounce back. Which one of these guys does that the best? Because LSU, they're going to have some new faces playing corner. They, they very obviously think this is a position of need because they went out and got it in bulk. And good for Brian Kelly and good for his staff for saying, we got a need, we're going to make sure we throw a lot of numbers at it, and we're going to get it done. Which one of these guys attacks that opportunity? Again, J.K. Johnson's a guy they're very excited about, and I would be surprised if he doesn't get some major run in this spring football game. Who looks the most confident? Who has a bad play and then bounces back? In a perfect world, you have no bad plays, but you hear what I'm saying. The response mechanism from these guys is going to be crucial, especially when we get to real football. Okay, now here's the thing that I'm probably most curious about. Operationally, how does LSU look? Are they picking up from where they left off? Because think about last year's season for LSU, and I think about it as pre-Auburn and post-Auburn. That Auburn game, especially for Jaden Daniels and for LSU as a whole, is really when they kind of caught their stride. And they've got a ton of talent, ton of ability, but it was just week in and week out, which kind of LSU team are we going to see? Against Ole Miss, they're rolling. Start out slow, but then they get rolling and roll past LSU, or excuse me, roll past Ole Miss. Then LSU goes and beats Alabama the next week. Like, they were a force at one point in the year. And then they end the year and they lose Texas A&M. The same Texas A&M team that actually missed a bowl game. So for LSU, I think a lot of it is the sense of urgency. And to be real with you, a spring football game, if you're ever going to lack a sense of urgency, it's going to be when you've got a ton of people in the stadium. There's no real competitive Juices that need to be flowing. You're not playing it against another color jersey. You can kind of just enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the fanfare, soak it all in. Everyone's there rooting for you and your teammates. Like If you were to take your foot off the gas in any scenario, the spring game would be a situation where that would be very, very possible. But the great teams, the teams that win the SEC, the teams that win national championships, and I'm not just talking about Georgia, I'm talking about a variety of teams across the landscape, those teams, they take the spring game seriously. They look like the spring game is the exact same atmosphere as when they're playing their rival. Obviously, it's not contact for the quarterback. Obviously, you know, that there's a certain element of protecting each other that goes into this. But you hear what I'm saying, the attention to detail, the procedural penalties for LSU. I don't want to see those. I want to see effort penalties if I see any penalties at all. That means balls in the air. We're jockeying back and forth, pass interference on the corner. Okay, we can live with that. I can't live with, hey, we were just straight up beat and we pulled that guy down. That's a bad, not competitive penalty. Or we're misaligned. Whatever it ends up being. I'm just curious to see operationally, is LSU able to have the culture in place? Is the culture mature enough to where they can compete in the spring game how you would want a team to compete that you expect to play for the SEC championship? I think they have the right systems in place, but again, with Brian Kelly, we thought it was fixed to LSU as soon as he got hired. I was sold on LSU the minute he was the head coach. The only question is, how long will it take for them to fully buy in? I think there was buy-in last year, but full buy-in, full understanding of what he's expecting, full understanding of the standards, the expectations, that's where LSU can really take the next step. And the spring game could give us a good gauge for it. I'm not saying if they have a couple offsides penalties, they're just going to compete for the Gator Bowl. I'm not saying that. No shade to the Gator Bowl. But I just think it will give us a good pulse as to how mature and how developed this culture is at LSU. Because the talent's not the issue, man. 
Well, talent has never been the issue in Baton Rouge, and it's definitely not going to be the issue now. Got a lot of key pieces coming back. Curious to see how they look in this spring game coming up. Now, post a question on my Twitter page. Spring game season, I just said straight up, what have you taken away from your team's spring football game? Now, a lot of y'all still have your spring football game coming up this weekend. Well, don't worry. We'll do this again. We want to hear from y'all. But to bring in now the keeper of the queue to break this down for us a little bit more, pride of Owensboro, Kentucky, Nick Brake. What's up, J.D.? Nick, how we doing, my guy? Pretty good, man. Hey, so like you said, you asked, what do you take away from your team's spring game? First one is coming from at MauiWoey00. The Canes are playoff bound. I hope he's talking about the Carolina Hurricanes because <laughs> I'm not so sure Miami. Is Carolina Hurricanes hockey? Because I, yes. Nick, I really don't know. They it's are, hockey. They're, okay. They're hockey. Yes. Okay. Now, Miami, be encouraged by your spring game. I would say that for sure. To say anybody is playoff bound from your spring football game, a little bit hyperbolic. But the beautiful part about spring games, the reason why I actually had this question on there was because it's impossible to come away from your spring game with something overly negative. Like, hey, offense put up points. That's all right. Our quarterback's rolling. Our, our receivers look great. You're not thinking the defense is bad. You're thinking the, the offense is going to be explosive this coming season. Hey, offense scored seven points. Our defense is amazing. I'm telling you, man, this new D.C., Florida's a great example. Arson Armstrong, he had, had those, those boys playing just a different brand of football. It kept the entire total score down to 17 points. Like, good for us at Florida, man. It, it's, a, it's a new era. There's no way to be disappointed if you're a Miami fan right now. What you saw in your spring game on Friday, be encouraged by. Soak it all in. Drink all the Kool-Aid. Now, that's internal. I would say when it comes to your overall value of college football, from when it comes to the spring game perspective, Aaron Murray said it best, it's a celebration. Also, take a temperature. No absolutes, just temperatures from other teams across the country. But internally, man, it's fun. Buy into it. I'm all about it. What else we got, Big Nick? Um, so the next question, we're going to move on to, okay, uh, Cox by 90 says, Lenoris Sellers is him. Yeah, man, Lenora Sellers, guy at South Carolina there, very excited about it. Now, don't get it twisted. He is the future at South Carolina at the quarterback position. Spencer Rattler is your guy right now, will be your guy for 2023, barring something wildly unforeseen happening. But Lenora Sellers, his physical tools, what he brings to the table. Charles Power, director of scouting and rankings at on three. You hear me talk about his work all the time on this show. He, he thinks he could be a guy in the SEC for a very long time. Like, he talked about him having the best senior season of that entire 2023 cycle. He got enrolled early. Nick, he rocks the rec spec, so he's got some swag to him. Like, Lenora Sellers is going to be a name that I think we talk about here in the coming years. So, Shane Beamer continues to recruit an elite. An elite that's a tough thing to say. We'll try that again. Uh, Shane Beamer recruits at an elite level in Columbia and somewhere that guys are wanting to go play. So we'll keep an eye on Lenore Sellers. But if, if that's one of your takeaways, I think Cox by 90 and, and at Shane Beamer Goat, that's a, uh, yep. a very astute observation. Yep, absolutely. Um, next one. This one has got Kirby as a deep fake as Jesus. It's a bad deep fake, though. Uh, it's at dogs by 90. Um, everyone's winning by 90 points right now. Uh, Carson Beck's patience has finally paid off, J.D. Yeah, okay, well, that's, that's good to know that the spread is being covered across the country right now <laughs> with everybody winning by 90. Um, yeah, so we talked about it earlier on the show. Carson Beck waited his turn at Georgia. Aaron Murray said there was even a point in time pre-Stetson Bennett era where Carson Beck was about to get a start against UAB. You're sitting there saying, okay, it's about 15's turn. He's about to get it done, and then Stetson Bennett comes in. And even after Stetson Bennett was your starting quarterback for that first year at least, you're still saying – man, we might have a better quarterback behind him. Are we sure that we want Stetson Bennett to be our guy? Is he really QB1? And then he comes back for another year after winning the national title. And people in Athens were also upset, saying, are you serious? Stetson Bennett, man, you're, you're 37 years old. Get off to the league, man. And then he ended up having the year he had, and I think Georgia fans were okay with the fact that he stayed. Kirby Smart said he's the greatest of all time in Athens. I'm talking fast because I'm excited. Listen, Carson Beck has waited his turn. You're exactly right. And I think his showing in that spring game showed the work he's put in behind closed doors while he's waited his turn. Because let me tell you this, when you're not playing, when you have somebody else in front of you, it is very easy to check out. 
to say, woe is me. I'm not going to play anyway. Why should I prepare? Carson Beck, from what I saw in the spring football game, I saw none of that from him. A guy who probably prepared like he was the starter every single week, has bought into what Georgia does both as a process-wise and offensively, and he has honed his skills in the key word for Georgia across the entire landscape with them with recruiting, development. Georgia developing, Carson Beck developing behind closed doors, and we got to see it pay dividends in the spring football game. So dogs by 90, a phenomenal observation. Carson Beck, his patience has indeed paid off, as I believe he will be your quarterback when things get rolling in the fall. Yes, sir. Uh, JD, do you mind uh, for a couple minutes we go to the chat? Let's do it, baby. I, I saw someone say, Nico, 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 Nico. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. I love it. A lot of Tennessee fans, but more than anyone today, obviously, because of the subject matter. A lot of Georgia. Uh, Briley is always in here uh, talking mad smack to his SEC rivals. Uh, Briley asked, the question is, who can, you, who can hang with Georgia in a shootout? In order to do so, lots to attack a wide receiver, tie in a solid run game, and a mobile quarterback. Does that sound like anyone? That's a good question. Who can run with Georgia in a shootout? Now, I would say this. I think Georgia could be potentially more explosive offensively. Now, I didn't say they're going to score a ton more points. I didn't say they're going to be you know, scoring in the 50 range. But I just think by nature of how they score with Carson Beck at quarterback, their vertical presence, keep an eye on that. Also, Lawson Lucky could be another guy for you. Uh, if Arian Smith plays like how he played in the spring game, he could add another explosive element to you. But it's fair, man. Tennessee... With what they did to Bama last year, we've seen them. I mean, they have the formula to where, listen, we may not have the secondary in place right now from what we saw in the fall, but offensively, it might kind of be like 2019 LSU. I'm not saying Tennessee's LSU in 2019. Don't, don't get it twisted. But it might be the same formula of, hey, we're going to score 55, 60, try and catch us. Ready, set, go. We're scoring points. Like, it's it's when you're scoring every possession, Nick, it's tough to lose football games. So Georgia and Tennessee, again, I fully expect you and I to be there for that showdown in Knoxville. That'll be phenomenal. But I'm telling you, I think Georgia is going to be right back in that mix for the college football playoff. How about Aaron Murray taking the field? Or excuse me, taking Georgia over the field right? oh, when yeah. it comes to the college football playoff conversation. I and, love it, man. Well, I love it. I, I posted a, a poll to the entire uh, people watching right now. Thanks for voting, everyone. Uh, Georgia in 2023, 55% of our voters say national champs. Wow. So they agree with Aaron Murray. Over I think that's half. just wild. Over half. Holy yeah. smokes, man. But hey, the people have spoken. I love mm -hmm. that. I absolutely love that they're calling their shot. Also, Aaron Murray being a Georgia alum. Yeah. Like, if you don't pick your alum, I'm, I'm taking Cornell to win the college football playoff too, Nick, mm -hmm. just for the record, so I have it on this show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Western Kentucky, I, I would assume, oh, is your yeah. pick. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's going to be a big year this year. That's just a, that's just a good alumni move. We got anything else yeah. in this chat, Nick? A couple more, if you don't, if you don't Absolutely. mind. Uh, Nick V. Uh, this is something we talked about earlier when we did the quarterback room rankings. It says, J.D., do you still think Oklahoma has a better quarterback room than Texas? <sighs> I knew this was coming. Now, listen, uh, Malik Murphy looked great which is probably where this is coming from. Malik Murphy looked phenomenal. Arch didn't look great. I'm still buying stock in Arch Manning, but Arch didn't look great. So again, the, the same thing I think is true in this conversation about the quarterback room, as I said about Arch Manning. We only have one data point on this quarterback room, and that's the spring game. And so I'm going to wait a little bit longer and wait till we get some more intel out of fall camp and wait to see what they look like during you know, the, the fall itself. And also Oklahoma, they have their spring game this coming Saturday. So to make any absolute claims about those quarterback rankings, I thought about maybe talking about that again. I think we will talk about that again in the near future. But we're going to wait till the portal dust settles because a lot of people have thoughts around everything with um, the conversation around Malik Murphy maybe transferring. Like, there's, there's a lot of thoughts around that. So do I still think Oklahoma has the best quarterback room at this point in time? It's going to hurt us. But, yeah, I, I do. I do believe that for this point in time. So we'll keep an eye on that, Nick. Okay. Uh, one more question. Let's do it, baby. Okay, uh, well, this is kind of a G5 question, I guess, for now. We love the G5 it, questions. It, but it, it's kind of it's subjective because it is only right now. It won't be in a while. Uh, what about the quarterback room in Cincinnati? That's the question. Um, yeah. The quarterback room people want to talk about here. Yeah, well, see, listen, Cincinnati joins the Big 12 this season, so yeah. they are now a part of the exactly. Power 5 party. Uh, sounds like Emory Jones is looking good over there. Sounds like he had a good spring game. Haven't watched the Cincinnati spring game in its entirety yet, but saw some clips of Emory Jones dealing the rock. 
I think he's probably the guy to beat. I don't think you bring in a guy of Emory Jones caliber if you don't think he has a very real chance to start for you. Now, Ben Bryant, very good in his own right, but Emory Jones was at an SEC school for a while. I mean, Nick, keep in mind, it was a young AR, but there was one point where they thought Emory Jones was the guy to start over AR, and AR is currently blowing up the draft right now. So I think Emory Jones is the guy at Cincinnati, but Ben Bryant is not a bad backup at all. They're also in our top five in terms of the quarterback rooms in the Big 12. Okay, yeah. Shout out to Aaron Atkinson for asking about some Cincinnati Showing football. Some love, baby. Is it we this? Love it. They they joined this season. They joined this season. Wow. Yep. Okay. And then we got a bunch of dominoes moving next season with USC, UCLA to the Big Ten, Texas mm-hmm. OU to the SEC. Like everybody, you, you okay. got to keep a chart here of who's oh, where. It's like musical well, chairs. Conference USA, my conference, a lot of shifts. FAU, North Texas. Okay. Um, all leaving, going to the AAC in um in basketball. So. Super Conference Errors upon us, baby. Yeah. Super Conference Errors here. Okay, JD. Good deal. Well, Nick, I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate Mm -hmm. you rocking with us, making it all happen. We'll see you again Thursday. Man, I'm not going to be here Thursday. Not Thursday. Okay. You'll be seeing Trey Yannity Thursday. Trey Yannity Thursday. Yep. Yep. Well, you'll be missed. I'll see you Tuesday. You'll be missed, brother. See you next Tuesday. Okay, y'all that are tuned in right now, we will be live 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern on Thursday. So come right back here. You can find the scheduled video under the live tab when that comes out here on a Wednesday make sure you're locked in everyone in the podcast world right now listening after the fact we love y'all man y'all are some real ones Apple Spotify where you find podcasts the hard count with Jody Pakel I promise you is somewhere in the podcast sphere make sure you subscribe make sure you follow me on the socials at Jody Pakel but listen we appreciate y'all we love y'all man this is an absolute blast thank you for letting us do this we're gonna keep the party rolling we will see y'all next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.